I'm Pastor JP. Welcome. We are so glad you are checking us out online. We hope the word you're about to hear is an encouraging point in your life today. So we're praying for you. We love you. Stay tuned. My dad was diabetic and would have to prick his finger often to put that little dab of blood on the end of that little strip that was connected to this little machine that over the years I noticed became less and less complicated and smaller. But still, no matter what they came up with with the machines and the little strips and all of that, he still had to prick his finger. He still had to give it a blood offering. And it is amazing what you can learn about somebody in the makeup of their entire body just by examining that little spot of blood. And from time to time, Dad would, would, you know, check the sugar. That's how we said it growing up, you know. Where I'm from, it wasn't diabetes. It was they had the sugar. You know, you got the sugar too? Yeah, I got the sugar. And so they checked the sugar. That's what that was. And me and my sister would do it. My sister, who's also a nurse now, so go figure, she didn't have no problem giving her blood offering. It'd take me 30 minutes to work up the nerve just to prick my finger, that little spot. It was just the little spot of blood I know, but it turned my stomach. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I don't think I would have made it in the Old Testament church. You know, like the church of old that we read about all the way back in Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and beyond. I don't think, because worship was a bloody mess. I'm not sure how well I would have been suited to engage in a lot of that. But in the Old Testament, as it teaches us that the, that the life of a creature is found in the in the blood. Is that not what Leviticus teaches us? And so, so to worship the Lord and to go and, and to pray and to, to have your sins forgiven and to show repentance and, and to do all manner of things, it, it was like you, you asked for forgiveness and it took a sacrifice. You asked for forgiveness and it also, something had to shed some blood. So you, you, you asked for forgiveness, and it took a sacrifice. You, even if you went and asked for a blessing, it took a blood sacrifice. If you went and, and you're just making a covenant before God, like say a marriage covenant with somebody or, or a pact with, a, with someone as leader of your tribe or family, you had to seal it with an offering to God in blood. And if you're going to make a promise before God, it took blood to do it. No, I don't think I would have made it very long. It'd be like, oh, JP's here. Somebody get him a chair. That even if you just wanted to tell God thank you, you couldn't just say thank you. Something had to give some blood. That is until Jesus came and settled the call for blood once and for all. He settled it. 
But he didn't call. He didn't do away with the call to sacrifice. He just did away with the call for blood. In Romans 12, 1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And the imagery is a little bit lost on us, but in the, in the time and culture in which he's, Paul's living, and of course, the whole history of God's people, uh, what's, a, what's a living sacrifice then? See, there's blood running through our bodies. And because of that, we know we're alive. There's life. And we who are in Christ are called then to be living sacrifices. So no, that doesn't mean he wants us to spill our blood. That's not what it's saying when it says living sacrifice. No, He's saying, listen, once you spill it, spill enough of it, you're not living anymore, right? No, you, your adult body has somewhere around 10 pints of blood, and that's what keeps you moving and living and breathing. And you take that as a living sacrifice, and you use. You use what the blood God's given you. You use it. To the best of your abilities, b body, mind, spirit, sweat and blood, even all your energy, time, resources to worship Jesus, that's what it means when it says a living sacrifice. To put your life-giving blood that's in work inside of you, to put it to work for him who gave his life-giving blood for you. Now, Living sacrifices then have to have the right spirit. And in this story, Mary is showing us the way in this encounter with Jesus. She's kind of showing us the way, and Judas is showing us what gets in the way. Jesus claps back at Judas' criticism. For the poor you have with you always. What's, each, what, what's Jesus trying to say for the poor you have with you always? It, what's he, what Jesus basically said was, hey, if you care so much about the poor, Judas, why don't you do something for them? Stop criticizing what someone else has done great for me. That's what he's saying. But you know, Judas, you can go help the poor anytime. Don't criticize her because she's done something great for me. See, it's much easier to criticize than to actually do something, isn't it? it you can look at your neighbor. It's okay. It's easy to criticize than to actually do something. As the, what's the saying? To put your money where your mouth is. That's literally Judas' problem. And you know what I found, too? That the loudest boos usually come from the cheapest seats. But anyway, Mary. Mary does this amazing thing. And Judas hates it. 
But Jesus loves it. Jesus loves it. There's your sign. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, it's one of the few stories that's recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four give account of this interaction. That means I think we should pay attention to what's happening here. Because remember, this is the Mary. This is the Mary whose sister is Martha, whose brother is Lazarus. And obviously, at this point, Lazarus has already been raised from the dead. And given the timeline, it hasn't been that long ago that he has been raised from the dead. Lazarus had died. Jesus raised him from the dead. And so what do you do if you're Mary, Martha, and Lazarus? I mean, what do you, how do you say thank you? You go get him a gift card. You order something nice off of Amazon. I mean, what? How do, how do you say thank you? Uh, there's, this is huge. And so they go, well, the least we can do is have like a dinner party in his honor. It's the least. That sounds like something we would do. You know, let's have, let's have a get-together and invite everybody we can to honor Jesus and what he's done. So you got to have the guy over for dinner. And of course, if you're having Jesus over for dinner, he has an entourage. And so there's like 12 plus coming with him. And he's got a lot of fans. So there's a lot of people probably coming to this dinner. And so they're making themselves ready and getting busy because they want to celebrate recognize Lazarus is alive and Jesus has done this thing. It makes sense. I mean, what would you do if someone you love was in the ICU, touch and go, but then Jesus steps in the room and they come walking out of that ICU eventually and healed. What would you do if your relationship was ruined or your marriage beyond what others say, beyond what can be repaired, but then Jesus steps into it? And sets you free and heals and mends that relationship. Well, what if you, you're struggling with all life-controlling addictions and anxieties and heartaches, but then Jesus steps into those darkest moments, calls you out of it, rescues you, revives you, pulls you piece by piece with, with Lazarus, just pulling those grave clothes off of you that are still clinging to you, makes you whole. What would you do? I mean, Mary's brother was dead, and the only reason he's now alive, the only reason why he's now moving around the house and, and putting up extra tables and seats and, and getting, counting the cups and, and making sure they got enough ice, because there ain't never enough ice when you throw a party, and, and just doing all those things. The only reason why he's there and he's, he's getting everything ready is because of Jesus. Because if you love Jesus in your heart, It'll be revealed in your actions. Love is tangible. And at some point, the party gets going. And everybody is, is, is in, the, in the room or in the whole compound, probably a collection of houses, really. And Mary, at some point, is like, this isn't enough. This isn't enough. This little dinner party isn't enough. What else can I do? to show my love, my gratefulness, my heart. 
And so she goes and gets the most valuable thing she owns, some scented perfume. And falling at Jesus' feet, she pours out this expensive perfume, anoints his feet, and, 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 and she empties the whole bottle. I mean, she just empties the whole thing that she seizes this moment to sacrifice her most valuable asset as an act of worship, as an act of thanks. In Mark 4, 8, in Mark's account of this same story, he says it this way, she did what she could. She gave what she could while she could give it. If there's anything this story teaches us, is that give what you can while you can. Why not give what you can while you can? That bottle of, of perfume, because it, because it told us that it was worth in that day and time about a year's worth of wages, well, that would have equated to about, in our modern day, around or somewhere around roughly $15,000, okay? So she is at his feet after already funding a nice dinner party. It's not like she's not appreciative. They're throwing a party, and she pours out $15,000 on the dude's feet. And she did what she could. She did what she could. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking what I'm thinking. My goodness, she just poured out $15,000 on the guy's feet. But I say to you, what could, what would you give Jesus today to show your gratitude? Would you even consider $15,000? If you had to give it and you sensed him calling it, would you? Would you give it? Would you dump it out at his feet? You who have been saved, you who have been delivered, you have been set free, you have seen the favor of God in your life, you have seen the blessings and the protections of God flowing in your life, you who have seen the prodigals come home, you have seen the, the sick get up out of their sick beds, you have seen people healed, people who shouldn't be here still breathing. What? What then would you pour at his feet? What's that number for you? She gave what she could while she still could. $15,000, Pastor, that's a whole lot above my normal tithes and offering. You go add up your Netflix and HBOs and ESPN subscriptions and, and go throw in some Starbucks and some Chick-fil-A and add that all up for the year and I bet you you find that $15,000, friend. You, you scan your calendars and your checkbooks and you'll see what you've been pouring out your blessings on. She did what she could. And that's the key. That's the whole key. You see, the danger isn't that we wouldn't do what someone else could do. Well, she could do that. I can't do that. And so then we, and then we excuse ourselves from doing anything. 
That's dangerous. I can't do what she did. I know. The danger is that none of us would do what we can do. And she gave of herself and what she had, and she gave while she still could. Because see, the story makes it clear. Timing is everything in her obedience. Timing is everything. It even starts out at six days, the Bible says. Six days before Passover. So why is it telling us that? Why is it telling us it's six days before the Passover? Which Passover is it even talking about? The one where Jesus dies. And they were so rushed to crucify him and to put him in a tomb that they had no time to prepare his body. They had no time to anoint like you're supposed to. But Jesus, knowing what was going to be asked of him, showed up already anointed for the task ahead. My goodness, that's a whole nother sermon. I'll preach that someday. And we get to, we get to Sunday morning, and they finally, some blokes finally show up to anoint Jesus. Not their fault. But they're late. It's too late. Jesus done gone. And he's already had the ceremonial anointing that he will ever need. And my friend, if you believe upon him, the only anointing you'll ever need to. But what if Mary had waited? What if she made excuses? Hit the snooze on that thought. That's a $15,000. How about I just give him a spritz? <laughs> I mean, it's his feet. He don't want to go around all smelly like this stuff. I mean, it's amazing what we'll excuse ourselves of, isn't it? Talk about how one day, one day, wouldn't it be nice to be able to do that one day? I'll give to Jesus that in which I know I should one day. Friends, right now is the right time to do the right thing if God's asking of it. Don't, don't talk about how one day in heaven you're going to cast down your, your crowns at Jesus' feet when you can't throw in a 20 in the bucket to help a missionary. Okay, okay I'll keep going. Come on. I, did you know you actually win, believers, at the end of this thing? You're going to be taken care of. What are you pouring out at his feet to help grow his church and to help spread his gospel? What? What of your time? What of your energies? What of your talents and skills? What of your treasures? Mary took about a paint of this expensive perfume and, she, and then... And then she poured it on his feet, and then she took, I wish I had the hair to demonstrate, but I don't. <laughs> Christy was hoping I'd turn white. Most of the people in my family have a nice full head of hair, and it turned white like in their late 20s. And she thought that would be me. And it looks like, nope, it's going to turn loose before it turns gray <laughs> and white. 
<clears throat> she gets down there on her hands and knees and she anoints his feet and then wipes his feet with her hair. And the whole house, the Bible says, the whole house just fills with perfume. I thought about just squirting perfume all over the place, but I know some people got allergies and stuff, so I didn't, didn't want to cause an outbreak. I looked for gluten-free, non-dairy, you know, <laughs> vegan. And then I smelled it and thought, well, this doesn't smell good. We can't use it. <laughs> and she takes that perfume and she, and then she takes her hair and starts wiping his feet. Because see, if I pour out a bottle of perfume and I start to, to wipe it up, whatever I'm using to wipe it up, that perfume is now transferred, has now been transferred to that object. But if I wipe it with my hair, with myself, and I go to leave, it comes with me. And the smell of the perfume filled the house. See, she thought she was leaving it when it left her hand. But the truth is, what she left never left her life. That what, what leaves your hand in God's name never leaves your life. It goes with you. Can I tell you something? You smell like something. You smell like something. She thought that this offering was gone, but the truth is it never left her life. She got to walk away smelling like that in which she sacrificed. Oh, there's another sermon right there. What do people, what do people smell when they are around you? You ever thought about that? This now's not the time to subtly move a little further away from your neighbor. <laughs> what do people smell? What kind of fragrance? What kind of atmosphere do you give off? Because I'll tell you something. She smelled like Jesus. She smelled like Jesus. Do you? Do I? Do we smell like generosity? Do we smell like compassion, like kindness and hope and salvation? Do we smell forgiven? Or do we smell like Judas? Cynical and short-sighted and greedy and evil and selfish and self-centered? Do we smell like something? Because with Jesus what leaves the hand never leaves your life. She had been listening to Jesus, following Jesus very close. This family was close with Jesus. So surely she had heard him teach Matthew 6. Surely she had heard Jesus utter the words, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Surely she, she had taken that deep in her spirit 
Because see, what you give away lasts forever. It not only doesn't leave you, it lasts forever. Now, we either believe the word or we don't. The only thing you can keep in this life forever are the things you give away. And that's what she found. If I keep this, it'll be all I ever have. But if I surrender it, it'll never leave my life. It'll be with me forever. Matthew's account, he says in verse 13 of chapter 26, Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. Because she gave what she could, when she could give it, her story will never be forgotten, but greater still, Everybody sitting in this room right now just became part of her story. You are actually part of living history because Jesus made a promise to her 2,000 years ago and we all in this very moment are still fulfilling that promise he made to that woman. Think about it. That wherever the gospel's preached and it's told of what she's done, It'll be a memorial to her. My goodness. Nobody else got that kind of deal from Jesus. She's been gone for thousands of years, yet Jesus fulfills his promise. And still using her gift for his glory, even in our presence here today, as we take in her story. What you give in Jesus' name is never wasted. And your time, your talents, your treasures, your gifts, all of that can be multiplied. I don't know how he does it. That's God kind of math. And I barely can do human math. But he takes that in which we surrender and he can multiply it. And in her case, she... He took a gift and has multiplied it generation after generation after generation and will continue to be multiplied until he comes again. Wow. What could you give to him that could have the same kind of effect? Because he's, he's multiplying the smell you're giving off. You give them a little dab, and the little dab is all you'll get multiplied. Listen, friends, if you want the blessings of Jesus to overflow in your life, it takes empty hands to both release and receive. But either way, they open, not closed. Living sacrifices. Pleasing. God, worshiping him with everything, all that you have, giving him your all when he calls for it.
for joining us again. We hope today's word was a blessing to you, maybe even challenged and inspired you. We'd love to connect with you, serve you in any way. Go to mynorthside.church, click the link for us to connect. We are praying for you. We believe that God has great things in store for you. We'll see you next time.